Well, hey there. This is Jim. And I was just thinking. Heading back up the, the big hill for my first of two weekend runs. Got a crimson burst through the trees to my left as the sun begins to peek over the horizon. And to my right, I've got an almost full moon surrounded in clouds, but there's enough of enough brightness that you can kind of see it poking through. The air is somewhat moist as the three inches of snow we got earlier this week are all melting and evaporating because it is 50 degrees here, which is not normal for South Central Pennsylvania this part of January, or any part of January. So, there you go. <clears throat> so, saw some sad news today that drummer for the band Rush, Neil Peart, has passed away, apparently passed away on the 7th, today is the 11th, so apparently they kept that information secret for a little while, just amongst the family, and uh, yeah, apparently he had an over three year battle with brain cancer, and finally succumbed to the glioblastoma that was growing in his brain, particularly vicious form of brain cancer, the glioblastoma. So, of course, not that there's a good type of brain cancer, right? That's a bad one. It's a particularly bad one. So, anyway. Doing our warm-up walk before we uh, start our long run for today. It's actually going to be a short long run. I'm going to go for about an hour. As I had to do some maneuvering with my workouts this week, which we'll chat about. Alright. Good. So I'm purposely keeping today's workout, which is the longer of the two this weekend shorter in order to prevent from getting injury because I got to do three workouts in a row which according to Mr. McMillan and Garmin is not advised but it's what I got to do so if I want to get them all in and I want to get them all in all right we're down to under 45 seconds before we start our nice easy easy run today which I think will probably get us somewhere in the neighborhood of four and a half to five miles I think that's what our hours worth of running is going to do as I walk by my neighbor ah, he's got more of his foundation in he's got a log cabin cleared out the back behind it he's ah, probably putting in another 400 square feet behind his house. It's a good size back there. So we'll see what he adds on. All right, here we go. Long run, easy pace.
So if you're not familiar with the Garmin app for these training programs, what it does now is it flips over and shows you a, a new screen which has uh, the, uh, the range they want you to be in for an easy run. So it's a little, more, a little bit different then than Galloway, where Galloway just says, you say what easy run is, all right? Which I agree, yeah, I agree, is, uh, is different for each person, but I'm in the zone now. I wanna say it's somewhere between about 10.35, on the slow side, all the way up to like 9.30 on the fast side. That's the range they want me in. So. Get a little bit of wind here. Apparently we got some, some front on its way bringing lots of rain north of us. But we're gonna stay dry until this evening. So. But yeah, the, the warm weather and the, the wind will definitely remove the last vestiges of snow that we have here today. Which is not that much anymore. Anyway, let's get back to describing what's on this watch here. So, anyway, it tells you your, your current pace, which honestly I think is about 15 to 30 seconds behind. Bit of a lag. And then I've got a countdown timer for how much uh, further I have to go. That just counts backwards. And then this has the option of an extra half an hour run which if I hadn't done a hard run yesterday I would do that today but I want to make sure I stay safe so I'll just do the hour today so according to my watch I have 56 minutes 20 seconds and then I have to ratchet back down to a cool down. So I'll skip the extra 30 minutes today. And I can do that by just hitting the lap button. That would be lap with one P, not two, like the Amish family that nears, lives near me. That would be lap with two peas. Uh, there you go. And then it just skips ahead to, uh, to the cool down. So that's how this works. Nice little bit of technology there. So, yeah, let's talk about this workout here. So, anyway, if you're new, started at a half marathon training program with Greg McMillan, one of the three people you can choose on the Garmin app. I already did one with Jeff Galloway. So, 
I'm trying out Greg McMillan. So. So this week, and I won't get the names correct, but I had a workout on Tuesday, which was uh, speed work. So it was a, a nice long 15 minute warm up at an easy pace. And then he had me do speed drills, run at one pace for a minute and then a minute cool down and then repeat six times well six times total repeat it five times right after you did it once and then he had me do more speed work but this time faster but for only 30 seconds with a minute cool down afterwards. Again, total of six times. All right, I'm not in the zone here, but I'm going up a hill, which is unavoidable where I live. So deal with it, Garmin. Anyway, <coughs> so I did that workout on Tuesday, but as I had feared, it was a bad weather day for outside. That was the day the three inches of snow showed up. And our roads are treacherous when it snows here. Now, you know, if I lived in Wisconsin, Minnesota, or central New York, where I grew up, I wouldn't be worried about three inches of new fallen snow, because those areas know what to do with it. South Central PA does not. Our Department of Transportation likes to claim they know what they're doing, but they do not. So. It's best to stay off the roads when it snows. Which, again, around here is six, maybe seven times a winter. So it's not like it's, it's every week or multiple days in a week. It's not a huge imposition. Your big word for today. If you don't know that one, look it up. Imposition. To be put upon. To be forced to do something. Some definitions there for you if you're too lazy to look it up. Anyway, what else? So that was Tuesday, and I was supposed to do what he calls a progression run on Thursday, but I got out of work late on Thursday, and then my wife had stuff for us to do, and I got home, so by the time I actually and settled down. It was about an hour before I need to go to bed and turn around and get up because I get up very early to go to work. I get up at 3.30 in the morning. So you won't catch me up watching the Late Late Show anymore. Those days are gone. In fact, you won't catch me up watching the 10 o'clock news. Those days are gone. At least during the week. So, since it's not a good idea to do a big workout 
and then try to crawl on the bed. That's asking for trouble. I just pushed it to yesterday, Friday. Of course, I immediately got a, a warning that I never would have got with, with Galloway, but, but I did get with Mr. McMillan that it was unadvisable. I knew risk injury by putting three exercises back to back to back. Are you really sure you want to do this? Well, I knew I did, because I also knew I was going to take it easy on the long ones, since there's an optional half hour or 20 minutes, depending on the day, then I can just shut this down early. So. But, once again, long day at work. So, by the time I got home, the sun was already at the horizon, which means by the time I get ready and step outside, about halfway through, it'll be dark, dark, dark here. And in the country, that means close your eyes and go in a closet dark. No street lights. Heck, most people don't even have a house light on around here. So, dark, dark, dark. And yet, of course, you know, it's still only like 5.30, 6 o'clock. It's not like everyone's asleep. So you have folks buzzing down the roads at a fast rate of speed because they want to go home. And there are no police on my road. So they can go 60 miles an hour on a lonely country road. And you're only supposed to be going 30 on. And then they can come over a hill or around a bend and find me in the middle of the road. Nope. Not what's going to happen. Not going to do it. Wouldn't be prudent. Not at this juncture. So, so I opted again for another workout on the treadmill. But the problem with treadmills <coughs> is that they don't accurately represent your actual pace partially of course because the ground is doing part of the work for you so depending upon your cadence you can run harder or not so hard even though the pace on the treadmill hasn't changed can kind of can kind of fudge it a little bit. So as far as I understand, the only way to get a really close to accurate reading on a treadmill, at least with Garmin, is to go out and pay 70 bucks and get one of their little foot pods, clamp that to your shoe while you run on the treadmill. Which, for the number of times I really want to run on the treadmill, I don't see me spending that 70 bucks. So, I'll just take the goofy reading it gives me and know in my head that it's inaccurate. So, anyway. So yesterday, yeah, I said it. Set it to uh, six miles an hour, which is a 10 minute mile, which is what it wanted for 20 minutes. And then I set it to seven and a half minutes a mile, or excuse me, miles an hour, which is an eight minute pace <coughs> for 10, because that's the progression run. They get you out there and jogging and then uh, they give you a little burst in this case 10 minutes of the range you need to be able to hit to hit your goal when you do the half marathon and then they progressively increase the amount of time you do that faster run 
hence a progression run. So, so I did it. Um, again, I find seven and a half miles an hour on the treadmill is quite quick. Um, it feels quicker than uh, what an eight-minute pace would feel like outside, if that makes any sense. And it may not. Um, so, so there's that. But I, I stuck with it. But of course, because it's going on, you know, motions you would make outside gauge how fast you're going on the treadmill because it can't can't GPS you right because you're not really going anywhere <clears throat> you know I've learned to uh, to basically run pretty pretty efficiently without a whole bunch of arm swing so and thank you Golden Harper for that from ultra shoes or as my good buddy Kevin refers to them ultra so um, yeah, kind of, kind of learn the stick your chest out, point your elbows behind your, behind your back, so that only basically your hands are in front of your chest, and you have the T-Rex arms going on, not a whole bunch of arm swing, you know, your arms move, but it's because your chest is moving, that's what's really moving it. It's more your shoulders moving your arms than your arms moving your arms. Which does leave your arms a lot more refreshed at the end of a run. So, thank you, Golden Harper of Ultra Shoes, otherwise known as Ultra Shoes. Um, and then, of course, it's just shortening your stride quickening your cadence and uh, that right there will help propel you at a faster pace without having to actually run harder as you would if you were elongating your stride and swinging your arms microphone again. Big breeze coming over this drumlin here from the south or sud au français si vous préférez. Um, yes, that was French. Um, so 41 minutes to go. All right. Let's see, what else? So yeah, so I did that workout yesterday. And uh, of course I have a long run today, a long run, which will only end up being about three and a half miles tomorrow, along with a swim. Tomorrow is swim day. Today my wife and I go to the JCC, one of the two pools in my area, to go do some swimming in the morning. So, so there you go. <clears throat> so we'll see how the workout comes, but again, like I said, Last weekend, last weekend, last week, last podcast. Um, none of this week would have been possible if I were doing a Galloway workout. Because run walk is just insanely tough to do on the treadmill. I mean, I suppose if you extend the run walk 
to Old Galloway, making the air quotes you can't see, when he was focused on minutes. So three minutes running, one minute walking. That's possible, but now he's into these microburst things now. 45 seconds of this, 15 seconds of that, or even short one, 15, 15. I can't imagine doing a 15-second run, 15-second walk, Galloway program on a treadmill. That's just that's just insane amount of button pushing. So yeah, that's that's kind of where Galloway falls apart. If you can't do it inside, you can't do it outside. You're kind of stuck. So, all right. Chris Russell, talk to me. There we go. Yep. Anyway, so there you go. That's the training programs. They'll keep you in a prize. Another big word, simply meaning informed. Transpires, meaning happening, happens, and as this continues. So, alright, next topic zero shoes. <coughs> so, recently learned that my good buddy Kevin is now a zero shoes inductee. Um, um, what recruit FNG I will not spell out what FNG means ask your parents if you don't know they won't tell you but you can ask I suppose so yeah He's trying out a pair of zero shoes, like the ones I wear. <coughs> Kevin's a smart guy, so I'm assuming he took advantage of the half-off sale they were having to go and try these. It's a good time to try them. You know, when you can get a pair of shoes for like 49 bucks, right? As opposed to close to 90. Yeah. Good on you, my brother. But uh, yeah, he was recently mentioning to me that he's finding the break-in period a lot longer than with Ultra, also known as Ultra, shoes. And I would agree with that. Um, I would highly advise anyone listening to go try out zero shoes if you have not you're still having sales you can still get a pair of shoes like the Prio which is what I'm wearing for a good rate as they clear out last year's model to make room for this year it's a good time to dip your toe in and try them but yeah it's a it's a definitely a different feel so if you do that you some some advice and we'll call it humble advice I don't know how humble my advice is but or mean for that matter but it's advice nonetheless so I would highly suggest if you get a pair the first thing you do and probably the only thing you do at least for a week or two it's just walking them. Don't try to run. Just put them on. Make them their your walking around shoes. All right. You know. Try to go places that have a nice surface, not like this gravelly country road that I'm on. You know. 
walk around on your on your rug if you are a shoes in the house kind of a person or go to the mall you know find a smooth section of a road walk on that give your feet about at least a week but probably two to get used to the idea of feeling like you are actually walking around barefoot but with literally four millimeters of rubber under your feet after that then start going out for some short runs and this is where I would definitely say Galloway is your friend do something like a 15 15 15 seconds of running in these shoes followed by 15 seconds of walking followed by 15 of running then 15 of walking or 30 30 if you're the adventurous type all right and then over the course of a month you know just gradually lengthen the amount of time that you run as opposed to just walking you will find your feet will toughen up you will find that parts of your feet and your legs and your calves will be getting used especially if you're not used to a zero drop shoe but I guarantee you at the end of the month you'll find your feet are stronger your legs are stronger and you can run a lot more effortlessly it's a fun word to say when you're running effortlessly <clears throat> because after a month you'll find that your cadence your gait has changed and it's changed because you know if you're someone like me who is a crazy crazy heel striker well you can't do that in a minimalist shoe for the same reason you can't do that in bare feet it hurts ow yeah you don't want to do it so you will find you will naturally start tucking your feet underneath you which is where they should be you'll start shortening your stride so you don't wham down on your heel which is what you should be doing anyway tucking your feet underneath you not whamming down on your heel <clears throat> you'll have much more of a a midfoot stride than you had previously and then that'll just be your gait you're basically retraining yourself to run the way you did when you were a kid and you ran in the, in the front yard without any shoes on so I highly recommend you you give that a try and of course after your feet get stronger then you know go out and try things like running on uneven roads or roads with lots of gravel on them because you will feel the gravel under your feet right and initially you'll go eh, this sucks why would people do this but it's just because your feet are not used to it because you've probably been used to running in some inch and a half to two inch midsole or even worse on the uh, shoe that rhymes with joka that basically shoves a pillow in there so you're basically putting your feet to sleep when you run and making them all nice and soft and squishy and weak and uh, yeah biomechanically if you're really wondering why you have plantar fascia or uh, problems with your your instep flat feet or any kind of foot ailment 
pretty good chance that it's because you're running in pillows that are weakening your feet every time you take a step and not letting them do what they're supposed to do, which is feel the ground and be a, a stable platform for you to run on, thus a zero drop, because you don't have a, an elevation normally when you walk around in bare feet, do you? No, you don't. So, you know, giving yourself a four millimeter lift in the heel and pointing your feet downhill every time you take a step isn't exactly normal, is it? No, it's not. It also doesn't give you a stable platform because nature gave you one and that's the way you walk without shoes. So, that's the whole idea behind this whole pseudo barefoot running, which is what I call this, because obviously real barefoot is just that. No shoes go for a run. I don't know that I'm there. I don't know that I'll ever be there. But this is a nice facsimile. Another big word for you to go look up. So, anyway, there's a podcast that goes with this called The Movement movement podcast and it's of course put out by the guy who owns and runs zero shoes so it's definitely not an unbiased opinion when it comes to zero shoes in particular but i really don't find him particularly interested in selling shoes in so much as he is in selling a healthy lifestyle and way to run. So, you know, again, I'm parroting stuff this guy said all the time. Stephen Sashin is his name. You know, I mean, for 40 to 50 years, shoe companies have been telling you that you need to walk around in a shoe that basically functions like a cast and doesn't move. It's stiff as a board. Or when you run, you're supposed to run in something that has a four, six, or an eight millimeter lift in the heel and a whole bunch of cushioning. So you can go ahead and wham that heel in front of you as much as you like without getting the natural response that, hey, stop that. That's not the way to run. So it actually helps you run with bad form because it takes away the natural pain that would be there with bad form. So basically enables you to run poorly. Same thing with the nice little midsole to cushion your every little step rather than just taking shorter steps and lighter steps naturally and doing that the way you were naturally built to do it. So, and I'm especially talking to all my Galloway friends out there who at one point, I'm sure thought, how can doing basically a run walk, running for part of my race and then walking for part of it, actually make me faster? That's counterintuitive, right? But for those of you who sallied forth and tried it, you figured out, hey, wait a minute. No, I see how this works. You know? I keep my legs fresher longer so I can run faster later into the race. And thus I finish with a faster time because I haven't petered out halfway through or three quarters of the way through. Right? And I'm doing the the march of death at the end no speed in that thing is there and uh, of course since I've been taking interval interval walk breaks I recover faster so I have pain for a much shorter period of time if I have it at all after I'm done running huzzah well this whole pseudo barefoot thing same thing 
keep in mind, again, the big shoe companies have been selling this information to you for 40 to 50 years. They don't want you going away from a, a heel lift. That takes money out of their pockets. They don't want you going away from a midsole. It takes money out of their pockets. All right? They want you buying their next new invention to help you run better. Because that is what pays the bills for them. So they are not invested in telling you, hey, you know what? Just uh, keep your feet safe from rocks and sharp things that might go through them. And uh, let your feet bend and flex the way they're meant to when you run. That's really all you need. Because that would would definitely uh, not be good for their margin. So... Yep, give it a try. There's lots of other shoe companies out there doing stuff that's similar to Zero Shoes, so I'm not trying to sell you on one particular brand, but it is the brand I'm using, and I love them. I love them. I, uh, I don't see me ever going back. So, there you go. All right. 23 minutes left of this run. Well, let's see. So we've talked about the workout. We've talked about zero shoes. Um, I am somewhat keeping up with my core workouts. I started doing some strength workouts to make me a better runner and a better swimmer. And there are some things where they cross over. There are some workouts where that crosses over and somewhere like swimming requires a lot more upper body. And I'm doing some more, well, not more, I'm doing doing them per, at all. Uh, that's uh, uh, squats, which I've done before. It did make me a better runner made me a much more um, stronger runner, particularly at the end of half marathons and full marathons. And uh, I got away from it, which was dumb. So I'm getting back into it. And uh, it's only been a couple weeks, but I'm already seeing that start to pay off. So if I can uh, remain vigilant, keep up with it. I should be in some really good shape on April the 4th, I think it is, for Dismal Swamp. For my half marathon in Flat Town, USA with my buddy Chris Darling. So there you go. Alright. Well, we started off talking about the demise of the world's greatest drummer. No, that's not up for debate. Mr. Neil Peart. And yes, it's Peart, not Pert. Alright? It's Peart. Uh, from a glioblastoma earlier this week. So, I mean, it got me thinking, of course, Rush was one of my favorite bands as a young buck in the late 70s early 80s. Of course, Rush Rush had kind of a, a renaissance in the 2000s. Um, they, uh, again, in my opinion, were a fantastic group all the way up through uh, 1988 with their album um, Hold Your Fire. Um, and then shortly after Hold Your Fire, I know some of the members, Alex Lifeson, their guitarist, most notably, was kind of getting frustrated that there was a lot more keyboard and a lot less of him. Um, And uh, he kind of protested, and I think he's kind of quietly the band leader of that group. Um, So, 
they made a big change from more tonal, melodic sounding prog rock to frankly what I would say is just a lot more uh, noisy prog rock. <coughs> so I was not a fan of things like Test for Echo or Vapor Trails or uh, Snakes and Arrows, which is an offshoot or a play on words to uh, the British game Snakes and Ladders, which in America is called Shoots and Ladders. Because, of course, you don't slide down a snake, do you? You silly English people. You slide down a chute. So, but, you know, there it is. So, but the album was Snakes and Arrows. And it was just, again, kind of noisy, grunge, very heavily guitar music. And I didn't like it. To be honest with you, I did not like it at all. I thought it sucked. So, still think it sucks. So I kind of got away from them, but... And somewhere around, I want to say 1997, 98, somewhere around there, um, Neil Peart's first wife passed away from cancer. Yeah, there you go. Shortly after that, his daughter was killed in a horrific car accident. So he lost everybody in a short period of time. So, for obvious reasons, he kind of went, you know what, I think I'm done with touring. I kind of need some me time right now. Certainly understandable. And he ended up going out to California, <coughs> meeting somebody else, and getting remarried. And that's where he lived the last several years of his life was out in Southern California. I think he still had a house in Ontario, but I think his primary residence was Southern California because his wife uh, is American. So, there you go. And then uh, they started doing these reunion tour stuff. And uh, I think, you know, being away for about five years was enough for people to go, hey, you know, I really miss these guys. And uh, they had a big resurgence. And got a lot of younger fans who had never heard them before because they were never top 40. So, Giddy Lee's voice alone keep them from being a top 40 band. So, I actually had a lot of younger fans, a lot of millennials. And I last saw them in 2011 in Hershey. And, I mean, their, their chops were definitely there, but it was clear to me anyway that Getty's singing days were done. You could not hit those high notes, which are incredibly high. All right. They're John Anderson of Yes High. All right. Um, who else? Rick Emmett of Triumph High. All right. I mean, it's it's almost in the girl range. It's so high. All right. Which is a turnoff to some people. So there you go. Anyway. But yeah, he can't hit those notes anymore, so I kind of had a feeling they were gonna they're gonna pack it in. And they did. About four years ago. Just didn't realize it was probably most likely due to the fact that that was about the time that Neil was diagnosed with his glioblastoma and started his treatment. So he obviously can't tour when you're trying to get over cancer. 
So, so there it is. But, yep, lots and lots of fond memories from Russia. In fact, when I was a kid, I say, what, fourth grade? That's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a drummer. I had friends in school who had their little practice pad and their drumsticks. And I begged and pleaded my mom to be able to play the drums. And she said, no, absolutely not. They're too loud. It'll hurt your ears. You cannot play the drums. Absolutely not. Well, I mean, that bit her in the butt because she then foolishly let me try the trumpet. Let me just jump to the end of the story here. There's no way to quietly play a trumpet, all right? You can drum quietly on your little rubber uh, practice pad and not wake people up, but you can't practice early in the morning or late at night on the trumpet and that caused a commotion, especially when you can't play and you sound like you're strangling a goose for an hour on end. So the trumpet lasted a year and that was then followed by the guitar, an instrument that has the potential of being quiet. But when you're 15 years old, do you want to be quiet on the guitar? No. You want a power amplifier and you want to play Smoke on the Water at 11 on the dial. Dot, 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 endlessly. So, yep. I think if she could take that decision back, I'd have learned to play the drums on a rubber uh, practice pad. So, there you go. But I've always liked the drums. I've always been interested in groups that have good drummers. Explains why I'm a big fan of jazz and a big fan of prog rock. So, both those genres have very good drummers because that's what holds up the back of the song. Along with the second most important person, the bass player, which is what I am now. I ended up swapping over to bass in my late teens because my best friend John, who I used to play with all the time, was better than me on the guitar. So was never going to out guitar lick him. So I decided, you know what? I won't. I will buy a bass. I'm the only guy in this band playing the bass. Because you never see a bass, you never see a group that has two bass players. You can see two keyboardists. That happens. Kansas, right? They had more than one keyboard player. You can see groups that have more than one guitarist endless number of groups that have two. Heck, I mean, April Wine, they had three people playing the guitar. Molly Hatchet, I think, has like 15 people playing the guitar. That's like an army on stage for that, that group. You know? Um, who else? Um, yeah, 38 Special. Um, you know, Leonard Skinner. All kinds of people grabbing a, a guitar. Right? have more than one person singing. Some groups, 38 Specials is an example. Genesis was an example. At least when they played live, more than one person playing the drums. Only one person playing the bass. So if you play bass, you own that corner of the stage. And that suited me just fine. So That's what I ended up doing. Which, of course, is also holding up the back of the song. You got to hit all the root notes, because that's what people are listening for. 
And then every once in a while you can throw in a little flourish to remind people, oh yeah, by the way, I'm here. I'm just standing in the back and dribbling. Right? So. There you go, but. Yeah, Neil, you'll be missed. You will definitely be missed. I don't think there'll ever be another drummer like you. And uh, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. That's the nice thing about about music. Is, uh, you know, the uniqueness of each person and each band. That regardless of what you like, there's probably something out there that kind of speaks to you and to who you are as a person in your particular journey that you're on right now. I know certainly types of music I no longer listen to because it doesn't talk to me anymore. I know. And uh, there's things now that I listen to that I would have would have called myself a dork as a teenager to listen to that now, but that's just where I am. And that kind of music speaks to me. You know? I find a lot more things like... I've always liked classical music, but I like it a lot more now. I like things like chant a lot more now than I used to. So... I like a lot more a cappella, which of course is just just people singing. There's no no other instrumentation. A lot more now than I did as a kid. So, and of course, I've always liked jazz. So, I prefer piano jazz. So groups that play jazz where the piano is the primary lead instrument. Alright. I like some sax, but it's not my favorite. I like some trombone and trumpet. Not my favorite, though. Probably after, uh, after the piano, I'd say probably guitar. But there are a few folks out there that do some pretty amazing things on the bass, which I enjoy too, but it's not normally thought of as a melodic instrument, so for obvious reasons, there aren't as many of those artists, so, all right, well, we've got about six minutes of this run to go, and yeah, I'll be about five miles get to the end of this road and turn around, but I'm going to end this here. So thanks for the download. Thanks for listening to me on uh, Anchor FM, where I'm, my show is. Be sure to check out the show notes. Um, there's a link where you can go ahead and send me a comment or your own little spiel to use the German word spiel um, and I can include it in a future show as long as it's nice right don't waste your time saying something nasty you don't, no one else will hear it but I have to thank Anchor FM because this show is now on eight different platforms. It's one of the things they, they do is they, uh, they put it on a bunch of different platforms so you get heard. And I am now up to 50, five zero. Folks who, uh, who regularly tune in across the globe to hear my uh, my running ruminations. A little alliteration for you there. Yes, another English word to look up. Alliteration. 
So, I didn't think it was going to be a vocab test, did you? There. So, like I said, I'm going to thank them because, I know, I know compared to some podcasts, I mean, maybe like 50 people, big deal, but this, this show has been going for four years now on the backs of probably 20 friends. Yep. So the fact that I have more than doubled my listenership in about a month and a half to two months is astonishing. So thank you, listener, for being a part of that. And uh, until we speak again, take care.